Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. Each week we talk about heart rate variability and how it can be used to improve your overall health and wellness. Please consider the information in this podcast for your informational use and not medical advice. Please see your medical provider to apply any of the strategies outlined in this episode. Heart Rate Variability Podcast is a production of Optimal LLC and Optimal HRV. Check us out at OptimalHRV.com. Please enjoy the show. Welcome, friends, to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. I am here with Dr. Dave today. Ina is not joining us for this episode on the book because she is going to be the star of the next chapter. Uh, so you, you just got Dave and I today, but... Uh, Dave, we're going to talk about uh, work strategies, basically how to structure a job um, to to manage work distress. So how can we look at our job? How as leaders, how can we help structure the work environment to really minimize distress? And so if you're just joining us for the first time ever, uh, we are in the middle. We're in chapter uh, four today of an ongoing series about our book, the heartbeat of business. Uh, so uh, please go back to episode one. You'll probably benefit from this if you keep listening, but but why not get the whole experience? We're also publishing for free uh, chapters of our audio book as well. So uh, uh, please go back to episode one if you're, you're new. We want to get you the full experience. Uh, but Dave, hey, let's jump into it. So um, I'm going to kick it over to you to ask me some questions to start us off here, since uh, this is something that I've, I've done a lot of thinking about uh, over the years. Well, indeed, uh, and and Matt being our uh, being our our local professional with the uh, with the masters of business uh, <laughs> and somebody who who focuses on this um, quite a bit, Matt, uh, you know, nowadays. We look at we look at stress, and they're coming. It's coming from everywhere. Um, and without a doubt, one of the largest sources of stress, uh, you know, whether we look at as of recent or you know in in and most recent history for humans is uh has been hey your work what is going on at work and how is this stressing you out um and uh, and I think you know I, I you would know the stat on that. Um, how many people have dis- dissatisfaction with their job? Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, it's a majority. Um, so what are some ways that that we can help somebody out with dealing with distress uh, in their workplace? Yeah, and I, I just like to hit some of the highlights here of really concrete things for right now, where I see kind of the, the real health of, of the work environment. And Dave, I love that you're here too for our healthcare folks, uh, also for our mental health folks and other people who see patients or clients throughout the day, because I'll, I'll just, there's a difference between how you structure an office environment and how you structure more of a clinical environment, which I know our audience stretches across both of those. But there's some, some universal things that we talk about in this chapter, and I'll kind of hone this in on to where, where a lot of folks are in this workforce crisis right now, where rates of burnout um, are at historic highs. What are some things that leaders and teams can do to really help focus on a uh, recovery? And, and the one that I'm really uh, pushing right now is the idea of shared expectations. Um, I have a whole soapbox, which uh, I will try not to stand on for too long, about how we use job descriptions. Uh, 
I think we, I think they're a bunch of BS, to be honest with you. Uh, now, listen to your HR professional. Just because Matt thinks they're BS doesn't mean you should throw them all in the trash without talking to your HR professional. Um, the, the reason why I think they're BS is because of the last bullet point on every job description, and we can all sing this in the chorus, all other duties as assigned. That's not said, that's not done. What, you know what your brain does with that, Dave. It says anything my boss asked me to do is part of my job, right? Because that's mm -hmm. the last bullet point on the job description. And I believe we keep that on there because we're afraid of being sued. Though I haven't had an HR professional give me an example of that ever happening. But again, you listen to your HR professional, you don't listen to a rant from Matt about your HR policies. But what, what, why I put that out is we know that if we have shared expectations, in other words, what does Dave as my boss expect from me? If we can get concrete about that, we know that it promotes psychological safety, it promotes trust, it promotes a shared understanding about what the objectives are of the organization. And why I say, think about this now. In fact, I would encourage you, if you haven't done this, get the job description out and look at it first of all and think, you know, is this the job still? Because we have shifted so dramatically. A lot of us have gone virtual, in-person, hybrid. We, we've been uh, just so in many ways in survival mode, which means we've really been trying to keep the doors open depending on what that means for you virtually or in person that we haven't done we haven't sat down and really looked at these so i've got i've got some uh things for leaders here one think about the jobs you supervise write down what you think is on that job description before you look at it compare that to the actual job description and then meet with people and, and before you get into this ask them what do you think i expect from you in this job. Look at how that compares to the job description. And then let's have an honest conversation about that. Even if we got to leave that last bullet point on there for HR legal reasons, what I really think as leaders, what we've used that bullet point to do is we've been lazy. Uh, because if I ask you to do something outside the real bullet points before you get to that last one, um, I don't have to have a conversation about what do I take off your job description if I'm going to add this thing? I also don't have to say, do I need to pay you more because I'm changing your job description because that last bullet point covers it all. So we can still be, if we've got to keep that, to me, just a ridiculous uh, bullet point on there, really thinking about, okay, how do we make every bullet point above that really reflective? And if we're going to change some of those how do we how do we have that conversation and not be lazy as leaders? So so sit down. It's a great time to get on the same page about your jobs. So so Dave, that 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 is. I know I got on my soapbox a little bit there, but that that what should you do today? What should you do this week coming out of the pandemic? Get the job descriptions out. Let's make these real. Let's make these living documents and get on the same page with your workforce. So Matt, I love that. And um, and I would love to uh, actually ask you a couple of questions uh, specifically Great. about this. Awesome. So, so we know that um, novelty is the biggest yeah. stressor for our autonomic nervous system, right? So the biggest stressor for us in life in general, right? Is something new that yeah. we have to deal with. 
Now, after we've seen the same thing repeated, right, whether it's the same task that we do at yeah. work, whether it's the same, you know, <laughs> baby getting him crying in the middle of the night, whatever it is, um, when it's happening regularly, this becomes predictable to our nervous system and it's no longer that much of a stressor on us. Right. Okay. So we understand that. So now if you have a job description that is laying out exactly what you are supposed to be doing, then it's not that big of a surprise to you. It's not a shock to you. So I love that idea. Um, but what I would like to know is, okay, well, as, you know, as an employer, as a, you know, as a boss, I look at, I look at a job description and I say, okay, so I have your job description here. Now, what about that employee who chooses to go above and beyond their job description, right? Because, because those are, those are oftentimes uh, a, an employee that I, you know, that we say, okay, this is somebody who's, who's doing more than expected. So we like, uh, we do like to see that, but how do you, um, how do you propose? Cause I, I almost, uh, I don't want to say that when you're, when you're putting somebody in a box by defining their job so tightly, uh, that they can't do anything outside of that either. Um, yeah. So how yeah, do you I, work I around? Well, one, I think we have to be careful Going above and beyond is an interesting concept because I think a lot of times that means working longer, right? Is that, you know, probably their job description is a 40 and I know 40 hour work weeks are sort of a thing of the past, but it, it probably describes what they're doing for 40, 50, whatever, how many hours they're working. So above and beyond is not a bad thing by any stretch. One, we have to be very sensitive. Are we burning this person out? Because as leaders, sometimes we recognize, we reward, we give bonuses for those folks working 60 hours a week because they're giving us something kind of for free if they're on salary and we may be burning them out. So we still, if we have this structure and somebody says, you know, hey, Dave, I, I want to go back. I, I want to go get my my doctorate in orthopedics or whatever it might be. I, I want to become an OT. Right. And I want to take on this extra responsibility, having that discussion and bringing that into that structure, you're you still got the flexibility. But as they take on maybe more of a role because of future aspirations, that's going to be a huge sense of motivation, by the way. That's awesome leadership. But but how do we structure this? So, one, you're still getting your 40 hours of work done a day that I'm paying you to do. But how do we do this without burning you out? And then if you're doing additional work, how do we manage that? You know, and so to me, it's not you can't, if somebody wants to do more, great, but have that discussion with them about how do we integrate that into your work environment. So for example, I, I created self-directed teams wherever I go, I create self-directed teams. So now you've got two hours of team meetings a week to throw in there. How are we going to balance that out? Uh, because these are really crucial to our success, or we're going to not have these teams meet if they're not doing something. So how do we balance that out? So it's just this honest back and forth discussion. And in some ways, making that job description a living document. That, that's all I'm saying. Even if it's off the job description, you're having the conversation. Because I'm sure there's somebody in the corporate world to say, do you know how many steps I have to do to change a job description with HR? I get it, but have the conversations. Maybe there's a side list of things that are the real job, but this is how crazy we've gotten with this, Dave. So 
Yeah. And I love that idea of it's a living document right yes. there. Uh, cause that's, cause that's not putting in a box. Uh, but, but you hit the nail on the head with the, uh, with the above and beyond oftentimes means more and longer. Um, because, uh, because yeah, do, do people who are working harder or choosing to take on other people's responsibilities, um, you know, are these people overstressing themselves right. to get into the spotlight? Right. Um, you know, and, uh, and that might be a great conversation with a supervisor is, I would like to do more. I would right. like to advance myself. Absolutely. How can we change this? Uh, yep. Yeah. And then just structuring like that. that because and we'll get to this in later chapters, but I think it's great to throw in here. We often as leaders, because, oh, Dave is working 10 additional hours a week as a leader. I'm getting a huge amount of benefit for that. Let me recognize and reward Dave for that behavior. In other words, something that might be potentially burning Dave out I'm getting dopamine hits too. So Dave, thank you. Keep doing what's Dave going to do. He's going to keep working and maybe even working harder to keep my attention. And we get into this potential loop of I'm wearing Dave down slowly by asking him to do more and rewarding him. So he's getting positive reinforcements for maybe a behavior that puts him at risk in the medium to long-term to burning him out. So we just have to be very careful about this as leaders as what what behaviors are we rewarding uh to what end indeed uh in, indeed because that's a that that's a very short-term view expecting yes. more more and harder uh how long can you do that right how long can yeah. you step on the gas pedal yeah and <laughs> uh, we just want to keep getting it because it's good for us right it's a win-win initially until it's I have a burned out employee. The employee is now struggling. Now I've 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 lost the benefit, and I'm at a deficit because I didn't have these conversations. And that's that's I think what we miss with this is, yeah, we've we've got to make sure it's a doable job, and we give people the support to be successful. Awesome, awesome. So. What other uh, major stressors do you see for people in the workplace? Um, yeah. So so one of the things you mentioned is uh, when we talk about fit and job match here, I'm not going to touch that on that, but I just want to reinforce that only 20% of the people strongly agree that they like what they do each day. So we, we just get so much benefit from a leadership position if we find people that really are a good talent, skill set, motivational match for the, the position we hire them. I just want to give voice to that right now is really difficult because the power is in the workers court still of, you know, we just see that there's there's not the availability of the workforce that we've been, I think, uh, you know, kind of spoiled by. Uh, you know, if we can get multiple applications for a job and they actually have the degrees to do the job, we're offering signing bonuses to be competitive right now where we weren't doing that uh, pre-pandemic. So I, I know that there can be a struggle there, but as much as we can do that, it's going to have a huge amount of benefits for that. But Dave, the one I want to talk to you about, because I know we've talked about this a little bit from the mental health perspective. We've, we've talked about this a little bit in the series as well but recovery. Now, I want to think about this both cognitively and from a stress-based perspective, because 
how we work. And this is where the individual and the leader, I think, both take responsibility. How we work is going to determine the quality and the efficiency of our work. And we came up with this idea of hyper-efficiency sprints. And this is where folks doing clinical work might not always take the full capacity of this uh, because you're seeing patients, but office workers might have a little bit more flexibility here. But we know that our brain can only operate for two hours at most at peak capacity. Outside that, our productivity, our effectiveness, everything just starts to drop off a cliff. Uh, as far as us doing good work, uh, it, it just drops off. So, you know, one piece of recovery is how do we maximize our work productivity? Because Dave, I imagine you've got at least two hours of kind of administrative paperwork. No, you know, you got, everybody has a little bit of that, but even seeing patients, if you don't take a break within that two hour period and you just keep seeing people for four hours straight, boy, you know, we know the people that are at the end of that are getting less of you than the people at the beginning. So one is just breaks, you know, factory workers kind of had it right. Oh, I, I had a terrible summer in the factory. Uh, I, I realized not for me and a whole lot of respect for people that do that work. Um, but you know, what do we do? And I'll, I'll just give my, that they become my role models. In the Midwest, Dave, I don't know, you know, I know each state has their game, but in Indiana, it was Euchre. Uh, everybody played Euchre. You know, you couldn't go to a party, even if it was a cool kid's party. There's going to be a Euchre table somewhere in the background. Uh, kind of the shadiest place at the party uh, at times. But, you know, so the, these people at the factory, they would start, they'd get there a little early, they'd start their game at Euchre. And then we'd go to work for two hours, then we'd get a 15-minute break, they would go back and they would play Euchre. Then we get an hour lunch break, uh, play Euchre. We get the break in the eve, uh, afternoon, play Euchre. And if they needed to stay later, they would stay later and finish their game of Euchre. And God forbid you touch their cards. You did not, you, 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 you were going to die. Like these, these were not like kind dudes that would take to you messing with their Euchre game. Good guys, but don't mess with their Euchre game. So that besides the breaks we had, they also had the social connections. They talked trash to each other. They had something to look forward to. I I always would try to get like when I worked at nonprofits, a foosball table donated. Because a foosball game, what is it? Takes about 10 minutes. What does it do? It brings teammates together, changes the energy. Uh, because therapy and foosball, very different energy, you know. So you get this break, you go back you take the energy of the foosball game back with you into your work. So thinking about how we structure from a leadership, how we bring breaks back into the day, and then those sprints, what are we doing? I'll tell you what we're not doing. We're not multitasking. Multitasking is a myth that we need to destroy uh, because we still have these amazing phones that allow us to have 10, 15, 20 apps notifications going off everywhere. I don't know if you try to ever have lunch day with somebody who gets a notification every time they have a new email at work. It's like, it's just like, there's no conversation to be had. So the, with these hyper-efficiency sprints, we're really, we lie out what we're going to focus on. We shut off. Like my notifications are minimized. Like I don't really have 
any notifications on my desktop, on my phone, because that buzz in the pocket, what we know is it's a little dopamine release or the email notification is somebody needs me, I'm important. So we actually get a little dopamine boost every time we see that somebody's mentioned us, somebody's given us a like, and that's going to pull our attention. And every time we shift areas of the brain from I'm working on my notes, oh, got an email because I got that notification, go to email, uh, oh, I got three more emails, go back to my notes. You know, we're shifting areas of the brain and we just exhaust ourselves. So multitasking, we get way less done, way less done. And the quality of that work is is kind of worthless as well. So really thinking about, okay, if I have a two hours of computer work, whatever that might look for you, how do I eliminate distractions, including other people? If you can do do not disturb signs, you know, hey, I want to hear about your hot day last night, but hey, let's let's go out to lunch and we can talk about it there. So so really looking at that is setting those up and then having breaks throughout the day. And then there's the piece of research, Dave, that I hated to find on heart rate variability because it's great when you find research that just says, hey, Matt, you know how you work is great. It's the hour lunch break. I, I, I've never been someone who's liked the lunch break. I'd rather work through and get done with my work early. Here it is, heart rate variability, though, dude. Uh, folks who took an hour lunch break, their heart rate variability was higher at the end of the lunch break than it was before the work day. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> how can I ignore that? How can I ignore it? So I've, I've integrated this, and, and it's true. You know, which makes a lot of sense. You take a, an extended break, you're going to have more to do it with. So one part of recovery is really how we structure our workday and thinking about it in sprints, right? So I'm not taking a break because I'm lazy. I'm taking a break because I'm going to get more done. Dave's taking a break because his patients he sees after that break are going to get a better day than they would if they worked straight through, worked four hours straight without any sort of meaningful break in there. That is awesome, Matt. And you hit several topics that require a podcast within themselves. Um, but uh, but that is looking at the breaks. And I yeah. love that social aspect that you brought in there. Uh, you know, the, the guys playing Euchre, which is a game that I've only heard of, never played. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. It doesn't cross state lines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I know. I, it, but, but that, that sense of being on a team yeah. rather than just like, I, you know, it's that guy that I work with or whatever. No, yeah. cause you get to know a whole other side of somebody when you're doing something social with them. Uh, you know, which is why those team building activities and all that kind of yeah. stuff uh, became so popular, uh, you know, pre pandemic. And now, uh, and now nobody even sees each other. Right. Uh, yeah. how many, how many offices, are filled with people that they've never even actually met in person. Exactly. Um, so you don't, you know, you don't really know who that person is. And uh, and anyway, you develop a whole different sense for somebody when you know them at that personal social level uh, than just the professional level. Yeah. Uh, I think that that respect and uh, and that sense of team and he's got my back uh, becomes so valuable. Um, but it is that shift of the brain from our left logic uh right yeah. over to that 
right, fun, playful, artistic, creative, right? Yeah. Whatever it is that you're doing on those breaks. And that brain break is so big. So yeah. You come back so refreshed. You come back ready to go. And yeah, I, I agree with you, Matt. The uh, the hour-long lunch, um, you know, I'd prefer to not take a full hour, but <laughs> but you got but, kids, you got a wife, you got a dinner, you got <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but, but you can't deny the data. Um, and I love that concept of the hyper efficiency sprints. That is, uh, that yeah. is so great. So, so adding that stuff in for employees is, is huge. Um, but how do I, uh, I guess, how can you structure that in you? You gave an example for a, uh, for a factory setting. Yeah. Um, how would how do you structure that in other settings? So, so say uh, you know a person working at home who's doing virtual work all day, who's you know like a, you know in a job that doesn't require any direct oversight, and you're not in an office building. How do you regulate yourself? Yeah, this is where leaders have conversations, right? We need to help people because most people don't understand that if you and there's tons of research to back this up too. If, if you've got a four-hour stretch, let's say that's your morning, people that take a 15-minute break get more work done than people that work straight through the whole four hours. So really, and, and some of this technology is a little bit big brother scary to me. Like they can tell if you're not engaged with your technology. Do you really not trust your people at all? Like, Big, like some of this is like you, like like I was like, okay. So one is we want to structure this. If you if you got to use that, hey, I I you better your mouse better move or you're not going to get paid. Sort of scary stuff. Where's that 15 minute break coming in? Like how do you structure that? And talking to people about 15 minute break, what are you going to do? Is it a you know mindfulness practice? A little bit of biofeedback? Um, is it you know, I disconnect. There's some like business television shows and tech that I watch. I watch that while I drink my shake. That's sort of my morning break. My next break is walking the dogs, eating lunch, catching up on some podcasts, those sort of things. So really structuring that in a way that that really promotes that, that recovery. And having, again, you, you may be hearing a theme here, having conversations with folks. How do we do this? How do, how do we do this in an office setting where some people are working virtual a couple times a week? Well, you know, I love the foosball table because people love to play foosball, uh, at least in this team I had that I did it. And so you hear the ball thing, and if you're available, you're going to try to run that table to be one of the four for playing. Now, you know, you always have the person that plays foosball all afternoon, so you also have to have a conversation about that. But you know, it just builds that that morale. So having those conversations, looking at looking at the book, because we give a lot more details here. How do you help people structure the day that that last hour or two of work is just as productive as the first couple hours of work? And if you're an afternoon person, which I'm more of a morning person productivity wise, you, you might have the opposite piece in there, but really having those conversations. I love that. Uh, the disengagement uh, yes. is that is that is that's just such a big key there. Uh, making sure that you do something that totally disengages you yeah. from work for that period of time. Um, so you know, uh, so you're not going and doing something that is so similar that you're never leaving that space in your brain. Right. Um, well, I, and and leads us to the last topic we covered in this, which is recovery. 
right? right. Now, now that happens during the day. So you can think about this like as a basketball player, right? You, you, you rarely played the whole game, no matter how good you were. So you had the, the halftime break, you had timeouts, you had substitutes. So you can kind of think about that as, okay, how do you organize the day as a leader? Think about it as a sporting event where you get those breaks periodically so you can get a little bit of recovery in. So halftime is lunch break. You got the other break substitutions where you're going to, when the game counts and it's on the line, your, your star players are going to have enough left over to close out the game for you, right? So so you, you want to make sure that you balance that. I don't think like we just got done with the Super Bowl. You know, the Chiefs dominated the second half maybe because they were only on the field for eight minutes the first half. Like, there are a lot of other things that went on that game, but boy, did they just seem to have a little bit more in the tank, probably because they just did a warm-up. They probably had to get warmed up again at halftime because they didn't play that much. So thinking about the end game, but then it's the recovery outside the game where we're terrible, where do you, are you checking emails all throughout the night? Sometimes you got to do that, right? You might be on call if you're a medical professional. You might have a big project due. So I'm always saying there's exceptions to the rule that I know there's exceptions to my rule. But the rule should be when you leave work, you're in a recovery state where you can bring your best self in the next day. Because what happens if you think back to the cup analogy we talked to, the window of tolerance, Throughout the day, I'm going to leave work with more probably cortisol cytokines in my body than when I started the day, no matter what job you're in, right? So when you leave work, whether that's, and I, I physically shut down my computer, that's my, that's my mental trigger is I'm done with this for the day, is entering recovery mode. So what's recovery mode? One is we have some of those you know, and this is where I think self-care can still be a legitimate term. My resiliency strategies. I'm going to eat a healthy dinner. I'm going to get some movement in. I'm going to try to set myself up for a great night's sleep. Practice a little RF frequency or RF breathing in, in the evening. So I've got my strategies. So I'm getting some of that crap out of my cup. But I'm also not adding additional work stress. So what happens when I get the phone out and start checking work emails, two things. One, I stop the recovery process. Two, again, and you've probably heard this in this podcast before, not every email tells me what a wonderful, handsome, brilliant person I am. Give me this, right? It's going to add stress to that cup. So it's like an athlete is, yeah, I know, we, you know we've got a day or two between games. Why don't you just get on the treadmill and run the whole damn time, right? We would never do that to an athlete, but we do this to ourselves. And Dave, don't get me started on doing this on vacation. Don't get me started. Don't, if you can't go on vacation, and I, I'm I'm really serious about this. If you can't go on vacation without checking email, you are doing something very wrong. You are doing something as a leader. You need to think about, you, you, you mean you haven't built uh, an administrative team that can support you on a vacation without you not trusting them enough to keep the the office going like are are you are you that important because if you got hit by a bus what would that do to the place right <laughs> so so part of this is it like it's not a it's not a badge of honor that you're emailing me on from a beach in fact i'll give you a lecture if you do 
Uh, but but it's like, you've got to be able to do this. And if your workforce, because I hear this about from workers on, I don't, I don't feel like I can go on because then I have to come back to an unmanageable workload. So how do you onboard people back from vacations? Do you give them a half day to work virtually where they don't have any other things except catch up? Or do you give them a full day just to catch up? Because as, a, as an employer, you're investing that, right? That vacation is a benefit that's both for you because we know people that take vacations are more productive. I just say, if you're checking email every day, there's benefit to that. Don't get me wrong. If you're in Costa Rica and you're working for two hours each day, there's benefit to that. I'm not gonna pretend there's not, but you're not maximizing it. And then if you ask that person to do all their emails that they missed during that week, while picking up their normal work week on that Monday back, they're going to be more burned out on Wednesday than when they left on vacation. So let, let, let's just, I mean, you don't need HRV even to do that, even though that supports this. But come on, people. Like, come on. Be with your family, you know? Come on. Yeah. Uh, Matt, and that is uh, so. So I love you know we were talking recovery during the day. Now this is recovery after work, right? So yes. re recovery yeah. within the workday, and now we're talking recovery after the workday is over. And you are hitting some of these points so on the head. And actually, that's one of my biggest pet peeves that I talk to my wife about a lot is going to your child's sports practice or sporting games and seeing that every single parent is on their phone. Yeah. And all I can think is. How often are you going to get to do this in your life where you get right. to watch your child and you're going to miss your child doing, you know, a, a, you know, a front foot for the first time. You're going to miss your child hitting his first home run yeah. because you were checking Facebook, because yeah. you were checking a work email. Right. Yeah. Um, is that is that worth it? Uh, right. So, um, you know, we, we have to look at it from that regard as well. Um, and uh, is there always an exception? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. But, you know, Every work is going to be different. Every office is going to be different yep. in how they can handle things. Now, you know, how how we set things up is great in that uh, in that we have a lot of crossover. So it's yep. easy to have somebody cover when somebody's yep. gone. Um, you know, does that mean that somebody else steps it up a little bit more? Yeah. Well, that person is gone. Yes. But then that person comes back and there's not a ton of catch up for them to awesome. do. Um, and that, and that's great. Uh, and there's not a lot of missed profitability in there either, uh, because, because we did have that covered, yeah. um, you know, in a typical office setting, obviously that's going to look, that's going to look different, but there should be that flex between employees so that people can take a break, uh, that's right. <laughs> taking a break and taking a real vacation and not having that burden of yeah. coming back is is huge. Uh, that can ruin your vacation in itself. So yeah. yeah and we see that with HRV, right? We see a day if a one week vacation, we, we see HRV trending in a good direction, cortisol levels going down, HRV going up until about Wednesday, Wednesday's the peak. And then we start to see this drop off because historically we have failed to set up Monday in a way that allows people to get maximum benefit. And this is going to benefit you as an organization as well. That's what I can't like talk enough about is like, this is for you, you know, forget that we hopefully care about human beings and care about our employee. You are giving this as a benefit, right? A job benefit, right? There is a huge amount of research on the benefits of vacation. You're going to get a payoff from that unless you like make this investment because it costs a lot to not have somebody work for a week. It's like investing your money 
you, you've got the potential, you've got all this cash in front of you because it paid off, but then just set it on fire, right? And, and we're, we're going to like not only increase your stress because of, you know you're going to come back to all kinds of craziness, but then we're going to make that transition back to where some of the most stressful days of the year. What are we doing? What are we doing? Like, what are we doing? You don't need HRV. You all know what I'm talking about here. So let's just like say illogical. And I guarantee when you look at the, the research, if we can structure that Monday, like I said, just giving people a half day, maybe there's a really important meeting at eight o'clock, but the rest of the morning, they just catch up on email. There's no, there's nothing else. That's the expectation is by Tuesday, they use Monday to catch back up, feel on their feet. Now expectations can increase by then, but let's just like, let's be simple. Then use heart rate variability. We talk about this too a lot is what's a healthy vacation. That's a tricky thing. And that's, that may be where individual responsibility comes in. What's the balance between pina coladas and recovery uh, or <laughs> snowboarding and recovery, uh, you know, so just having the open conversation is, hey, it is none of my business what you do on vacation, but let's think about what we can do to really use this to recover um, and come back healthier as well. I, those are the conversations we can have, knowing that as a boss, your time off is your time off. But I think sometimes we look at that as we're going to fly, go to three, four different time zones, drink more, eat unhealthy you know, all these things for me, it's physical activity. Like I'm killing myself on the slopes. Granted, there's a benefit from all that because we're having fun, but just kind of balancing that with, hey, you know what improves your heart rate variability? So how do you work that in to some of this as well? Maybe stop drinking before six or seven. So your quality of sleep's a little bit better. You know, those sort of things we're tweaking more than we're, maybe saying, oh, Matt's saying I can't drink or have a good thing of pasta or whatever. No, I'm not saying that. Just balance. You know, don't, don't go totally unhealthy in a time that you need to recover because then you'll just come back as worn down as you were when you went. So, Well, education goes a very long way in those, uh, you know, instances. You don't have to tell somebody that they, what they can and can't do. Um, you know, if, uh, if you are supplying quality education um, absolutely, absolutely. To, to these, to these people, they're going to make the right decision. You know, it's yeah. just like, a, just like raising a child in that sense. Right. You hope that, uh, yeah. that you hope that you supply them with the proper knowledge and they will end up being a great person. And that's no different with an employee. You give them the knowledge, you tell them, uh, you, you tell them this, this is why it's important to sleep. This is why it's yeah. important that you do these things when you're off of work. Here's the research. And, um, and yeah, and they will, they will go forth and make the right decision. Um, yep. And in the book, I think we do a good job, Dave, to kind of wrap up here is that the book, we give a lot of resources for folks to do that, right? Handouts right. you can, you can download on our website. We, we give you all that piece. So, um, I want to thank everybody for joining us, Dave. Thank you for this. This is, I love talking about this stuff. This is so much fun, uh, to do so. Um, obviously at this point, you know, you can go to optimalhrv.com, download the book for free. Uh, you know, really enjoyed this series. So, uh, 
we've got uh, chapter five coming up next week and then uh, a great discussion uh, where where Ina is the shining star when we start talking about uh, biofeedback and mindfulness. So, so Dave, thanks. I really enjoyed this conversation and for putting up with me and all my soapboxes around this. <laughs> well, thank you, Matt. It's always fun to do these.